You know, my, my prayer for you this morning is the same prayer that Paul prayed to the church at Ephesus when he said this, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened. I pray that the eyes of your heart might be opened, that you, that you might have an understanding at soul level. And he said this, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you. This hope that God gives us is really an amazing thing, isn't it? And Paul talks about that. He, he says, my, I, I, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints. The riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints. I don't know about you, but I'm blessed. Let me say this again. I am blessed, abundantly blessed, grateful for all that God does in my life. This hope that he's given me, the blessing that he brings to me, and the power that he makes available. That, that the last part of, of Paul's prayer, he says this. He says, I, I, I pray that you may know the hope to which he's called you, the glorious inheritance in the saints, and his incomparably, incomparably great power for, for us who believe. For us who believe. And the power of belief. That's why... That's why I'm very comfortable with saying, God, I, I belong to you. Withholding nothing. You know, as a, as a child, I, I had this daily ritual as a child that, that seemed commonplace to me. I, I seem very comfortable with it, but it's, it's grown controversial in our society, in our culture. And, and that ritual was the Pledge of Allegiance. Remember doing that growing up as a child in school? We'd stand, I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands. One nation under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. It's interesting that, that that's controversial because there's really nothing in that for me that seems to be uh, antagonistic or controversial in nature. And, and I, I was glad to say that pledge, it was, it was on some levels comforting to me. It's not the only pledge that I've said in my life. I've, I've said the Cub Scout pledge. Later on, I said the Royal Rangers pledge, not the Royal Strangers pledge, as some might think it is, but the Royal Rangers pledge. I also, a little over 30 years ago, I, I made a pledge of faithfulness to my wife saying that I, I, would, I would be true to her until death divides us. This issue of a pledge and keeping our word, it's amazing the things that we have allegiance to. And, and this morning, as we, as we continue this series that we've been talking about, Off the Chain, I want to talk to you about a subject that oftentimes makes people unsettled. It makes them shift in the pew a little bit. And, and I want to talk to you about how you handle your stuff. Look to the person next to you and go, oh no, the pastor's going to talk about money. Okay, let's just get it out of the way. Right? Oh no, the pastor's going to talk about money. So... We have pastors uh, who in the Northeast had to cancel their services and they mentioned to people that it would be good for them to tune into our live stream and right now they're going, oh great, somebody else is going to talk to our people about money and I don't have to do it. <laughs> I just want to say to my pastor friends, thank you. 
or, or you're welcome rather, I'm, I'm happy to help. Uh, because people get uncomfortable about this. Why do we get uncomfortable about it? Because it's amazing how much our stuff controls us. I'm gonna tell you a story. I want you to imagine um, this morning that you're not here in the worship center at Calvary Orlando, but I want you to imagine that you're, you're instead, you're at a, a major league baseball game, Midsummer Classic. It's gorgeous, beautiful, late afternoon. There's the, the smell of, of, of fresh popcorn is in the air, right? There are guys that are selling hot dogs and cold pop or cold soda, or depending on, depending on where you're at in, in, in your part of the country, cold soda or soda pop, right? And you focus in on a father with a son. He's brought his boy to the major league park for the first time, and, and his son is taking it all in, and he's, Dad, Dad, thanks so much for bringing me here. This is amazing. Now, for me, in, in, my, in my world, we're at Wrigley Field. Ivy-colored walls, my beloved cubbies. You know, for all my fellow Cub fans, we have for so long, we've said, wait till next year. I have to tell you, 2016 might very well be that next year. There's some hope and anticipation here, I'm just telling you. Come on, God is good. Dad, man, it's, it's more amazing than I ever imagined. God, thanks, Dad. Thanks for bringing me here. And, and Dad, thanks for, thanks for buying me this stuff, this stuff at the concession stand. Dad, I, I, I can't believe how expensive the, it is to buy stuff here. Son, I don't want you to worry about that. You're my boy. Nothing is too good. Nothing's too expensive for you, right? And dad, that they had my favorite candy, Skittles, right? Right? Discover the rainbow. Wow, dad. The little boy opens up the, the package and he begins to eat the Skittles. And the father says to him, hey, son, let me have a couple of those. The boy looks at the bag and he looks at the father. Two point one seven ounces. That doesn't seem like a lot. Looks at the bag and looks at the father. Then he looks at the dad and he goes, Dad, I, I don't know if I can spare any Skittles. The father says, don't worry about it, son. I'll, if you want more, I'll get you more. But dad, what if when the bag is empty and I want more and I ask you, you say no. Dad, I don't think I can spare any Skittles. It's amazing how often that story plays out in our life. Every good and perfect gift comes from the Father of lights with whom there is no shadow of turning. Here, you have to share those. Actually, can I let you in on a little secret? 
at the end of the service, everyone's getting a bag of Skittles. Yeah. Those of you watching live stream, you'll have to get your own. But everything that we have is provided to us by God. And God is not concerned by the price tag. It doesn't overwhelm him, even though sometimes it overwhelms us. And yet, isn't it interesting how much our possessions possess us? I want to talk to you about your stuff today, and I want to talk to you about how your stuff keeps you shackled, how it keeps you in chains. I want to talk to you about your time, your talent, and your treasury. That, those three things, that's what makes up what we possess. Our time, our talent, and our treasury. Because God wants to bless you in all three of those areas. But God can only bless you to the degree that you're willing to trust him and release control of those things to him. And yet, human nature, because of the sin nature, human nature is to hold on very tightly to every moment. To be concerned about how we use our gifting and ability it seems like the biggest hurdle of all is that issue of the treasury, right? Those physical resources, our stuff, and, and releasing that to God is a, it's a pretty frightful proposition. I, I remember I, I, I one time, I have to, I, okay, I have to tell you this, I, 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 have, I have this iPad where I have my notes, it's connected to my phone, and one of my friends just texted me and said, I want my bag of Skittles. <laughs> I, um, talk to your husband. That's my response to that. Talk to your husband. Here's what, here's what Jesus says in Luke chapter 12. He says, don't be afraid, little flock, for your father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. In fact, I want you to take your Bibles, and I want you to open them up to Luke chapter 12. Luke chapter 12, Jesus is speaking and a crowd has formed. It, it tells us this, that a, a crowd of several thousand has formed, right? And in the midst of this, Jesus is speaking to the crowd and this guy yells out, says, hey, Jesus, tell my brother to share the inheritance with me. And Jesus' response is, who am I to be your arbitrator? And then, he, and then he, he makes this statement. He says, watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. What makes him say that? In the midst of Jesus talking about principles of the kingdom, talking about principles of eternity, helping people to understand and discover their destiny, in, in the midst of that, there's a guy who's missing it. Right? Jesus is talking much more than stuff. He's talking eternity. And in this crowd, there's this guy that is massively majoring in the minors. 
Jesus is sharing truth that could change his trajectory for eternity. And what's he focused on? He's focused on the moment and he's focused on stuff. Jesus, tell my brother to share the stuff with me. Jesus goes, that's not my deal. But I want to challenge you to be on your guard against that that type of emotion, that type of thought. Why? I love what it says in Luke 2.15, Luke 12.15, the second half of Luke 12.15, it says this. A man's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. And and then he goes on to, to tell a parable. He says, the ground of a certain man produced a good crop. The ground of a certain man produced a good crop. What was it that produced the good crop? The ground of a certain man. My, my parents' house in the upstairs bathroom, there's a, there's a little picture on the wall. And it says this, it says, in the seed there is, or in the bulb there is a flower, in the seed an apple tree. Unrevealed until it's seasoned, something God alone can see. It's, it's God that makes the tree grow. It's God that causes the flower to bloom. It's, it's the soil. It, 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 there's nothing about the work of the planter other than putting the seed in the ground that makes it happen. Everything is given by God. The ground of a certain man produces a crop. And we know this. The Bible tells us, the very first scripture in all the Bible tells us that in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. God created the heavens and the earth. The earth brings forth the fruit and it all comes from, it originates and it's, it's given by God. What, what's the lesson in that? The lesson in that is this. I don't have to be concerned with how much stuff that I have. Because God was not being deceptive when he says, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a future and a hope. And it, it is God's desire to prosper his children. Now, now there's, a, there's a, an unhealthy branch of the Christian community that has hijacked this principle and it's twisted it into a very unhealthy proposition. But the reality is that doesn't change the truth that there is seed, time, and harvest, and God does enjoy prospering and blessing his children. It's evidenced historically, it's proven biblically, and it's God's desire to the degree that you can handle it, it's God's desire to bless you. God will absolutely give you as much as you can handle. But he will not give you more than what you can handle. And so this issue of of proving myself trustworthy, demonstrating trustworthiness, God clearly sees what our capacity is. I I oftentimes, I'm, I'm... confronted with people that say, look, I don't understand why. 
you know, you talk about God taking care of us, and I don't understand why I have all these needs. And, you know, you say that, that, that God gives us according to our capacity. And they, they, get, they get caught up on this in two areas. They get caught up on this, you know, Pastor, you say that God doesn't put on us more than we can bear, and yet why is it that I'm constantly overwhelmed? And, and I'll remind them that God doesn't put on you more than you can bear, but you can put as much junk on yourself as you want. God, Pastor, you said that God wasn't, wouldn't put on me more than I can bear. Why am I so massively stressed out? Well, could it be that it was not God's will for you to buy the condo on the beach and the brand new car and the brand new house and the, and you put yourself in financial bondage and now you want to blame God for that? It, it, it's, it's amazing how God will navigate and, and steer. And then we find ourselves in a place when, when God gives to us and he gives us this simple command to return the first fruits, the first tenth to him. And yet we look at the bag of Skittles and we look at the Father. We look at the bag of Skittles and we look at the Father. We look at the bag of Skittles and we look at the Father and we go... I don't think I can do it. And here's what I know. That roughly two-thirds of us who sit here today, we lose that battle. And we allow fear to be the winner rather than faith. Even now, even as I talk about this, it's, it's very uncomfortable. And, and man, I appreciate that. And know this, it's not my desire, it's not my heart to make you uncomfortable. It, it's also, it, it's, it's vitally important that you understand this because the enemy wants to really discourage and distract you right now and go, here it is, it's the church talking about money. I, I'm not trying to get into your wallet today. But I see far too many people who profess to be Christ followers that live in bondage. Sir, your business is struggling. And your response is, I can't afford to tithe. And, and, and it's, it's looking at the bag of Skittles and looking at the father and going, I, I can't spare it. It's, it's irrational, it's illogical, it's unbiblical. It's in fact sinful. But in that moment, in that fear, we go, I can't, I can't do it. And God brought you here today to remind you that everything that you have, it comes from him. Everything has been given by God, and he has more than enough. Okay, that, that bag of Skittles that I gave away, I've got about 800 bags of Skittles here today. I think that's enough. You know, it might be, I, I, I made sure that we had a little bit of extra. Why? 
because I was determined that everyone would be blessed. God has plenty of margin. He has plenty of capacity. He, he lives in the realm of more than enough. And it breaks his heart that so many of his children live in the land of not quite enough. Right? And we're imprisoned. We're, in, we're, we're, we're chained by this thought, this anxiety of not quite enough. And, and, and here's what's interesting to me is it does not matter where we fall in the amount of stuff that we have. I'll, I'll interact with someone who has very little and, and they, they're concerned about not having enough. I'll, I'll talk with someone who has experienced abundance and, and they have a, a sizable amount and in that they're they're concerned about running out. I've told the leadership here at Calvary that, that it is a difficult thing to pastor a church when you're substantially short on resource. And, and Calvary has gone through that season. We, we've gone through that season recently where the the, the, the the amount of funds that we had versus what our responsibilities are, oh, massive amount of challenge and massive amount of stress. God demonstrates to us that he's a God of more than enough. How does he do that? Well, he faithfully takes us to a place where he provides our needs, many times miraculously, and then he has these moments where he blesses us. In December, we receive a $9 million gift. It's more difficult, listen to what I'm about to tell you, it's more difficult to pastor a church that has resources than it is to pastor a church that doesn't have resources. Why? Because when the church that doesn't have resources, we understand how dependent we are on faith right? And we'll pray it through. When the church has resources, we have to fight against the anxiety of, oh my goodness, we've got to make sure that we protect this because what if, what if we run out? Right? And, and even, though, even though the gift came from God, now all of a sudden we take it as our own and what we want to do is we want to we want to hoard it. We want to protect it. We look at the bag of Skittles and we look at the Father. We look at the bag of Skittles and we look at the Father and we say, thank you for this, but no, you can't have any of it because I'm afraid I won't have enough. It's an insidious trap. And again, more Christians are in chains by this trap than are free. And... It's vicious. And it's so unnecessary. A little further down in Luke chapter 12, Jesus says this to his disciples. He says, I tell you, don't worry about your life, what you'll eat or about your body, what what you will wear. Life is more important than food and the body more important than clothes. Consider the ravens. They neither sow nor reap. 
They don't have a storeroom or a barn, yet God feeds them. How much more valuable are you than the birds? Right? Jesus is following up on this parable that he tells about the the, the ground of a certain rich man that produces a good crop. And, and, and this is what he says in Luke chapter 12, starting in, in verse number 16. He says, and he told them this parable. The ground of a certain man, certain rich man, produced a good crop. And he thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, I know what I'll do. I will tear down my barns and build bigger ones, and there I will store all my grain and my goods, and I'll say to myself, you have plenty of good things laid up for many years. Take life easy, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, you fool, this very night your life will be demanded from you. And and, and then the follow-up of this statement, this parable, is actually a chilling statement from God. Listen to this. This is how it will be with anyone who stores up things for himself but is not rich toward God. Now, I want you to catch the significance of that entire sentence. This is what it will, this is how it will be with anyone who stores up things for himself or herself. He doesn't stop there. Sometimes we can, in a misguided fashion, think that God is against me having things. And that's not at all true. God is not against you having things. Here's what he's against. He's against things having you. Let me say that again. God's not against you having things. He's against things having you. I've been reminded of this number of times in my life. And most notably, and I think I've told this story here before, but um, it's worth telling again. When, when Jody and I, um, when Jody and I were, were, our family was just starting to grow, Lauren was a baby, uh, we said, you know what, it's time for us to move from renting a house to owning a home. And we looked at a number of homes to buy, and it ended up being a better deal to, to build. And so our first home was a home that we built, a very modest home. It was a, um, when it was completely finished, it was 1,800 square feet. Um, when, when it was first finished, it only had 1,200 square feet finished, and I, I finished the, the other 600 square feet off myself. And, uh, and we, we put a fireplace in. This was in, in Wisconsin. We put a fireplace in, uh, in, in, in the area of the house that was unfinished. And so it really, on some of it looked kind of goofy because we had this big unfinished area, right? Concrete floor, you know, stud walls, and there was this beautiful stone fireplace. And so a friend of mine was, was, was going with me to look at the house. We hadn't take, taken occupancy yet. They were just finishing some things up. And so I wanted to go and, and show him the house. And I hadn't seen the fireplace yet. They had, they had, they had done that work in, in the couple of days that I hadn't been at the house. And so I took him and we walked in and we walked into the house and I'm showing him and, and then we walked down to the lower level of the house and, and I'm standing there and my friend said to me, Ed, is there something wrong? And I go, no, no, everything's fine. And he goes, I know what's bothering you. He said, you're worried. You didn't imagine it was gonna look this nice and it's troubling you. And I said, you're exactly correct. 
And he said, Ed, I, I want to I offer you a loving rebuke. He said, never apologize for God's blessing. Yeah. But then he said this. He said, never let it possess you. Two years later, God spoke to us and told us that we were supposed to go work and uh, take over the responsibility of being the lead pastor at, at a struggling church in Nebraska. And we went from living in our brand new home that we built ourselves and picked out everything to a house that was hideous. <laughs> Absolutely hideous. And uh, needed a lot of work. In fact, the, the, the kitchen cabinets, they had painted them, but not painted them well. So they were painted with all kinds of chips and everything all over them. And so I told Jody, I said, Jody, we're going to fix up this house. It's going to be nice. I, I, took the ki- I took the cabinet doors off the kitchen cabinets. I took them off um, just before Thanksgiving. And I told Jody, I said, listen, I, we won't have cabinet doors for Thanksgiving, but we'll have cabinet doors for Christmas. And I, I was true to my word. I just didn't say what Christmas. So... <laughs> I mean, seriously, we went from nice, brand new house, custom cabinets and all that, to a house that over a year we had no cabinet doors. There, there's, a, there's an upside to no cabinet doors, though. You know why? Because, you know, when you, when you walk into the kitchen, you're hungry and you don't know what you want? I could just step back and just look at everything. And when guests come over, you know, and they needed a glass, they didn't have to ask what cabinet it was in. But do, do your possessions have you... It's interesting to me that this, this, this narrative that, 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 Jesus, uh, that Jesus points out to us in Luke chapter 12, it's interesting to me that it says this, the ground of a certain rich man. The ground of a certain rich man. So here's what we know about this man. He didn't have any need. He already was abundantly blessed. And yet in that moment, what's his concern? Oh my, what am I going to do to keep this for myself? Rather than recognizing the opportunity that God had given him in that moment. Instead of recognizing what he had as a resource, he saw it as the source as the source. It's real easy to get confused on what is the source and what is a resource. As a little kid, growing up, we had this metal box that sat on our front porch. Insulated. And you could go out in the morning and open up that little metal insulated box and there would be milk in there. Anybody else have one of those? Yeah, ours said Puck's Dairy on the front. And I knew this. I knew as a little kid that if there wasn't milk in the refrigerator, you know what I could do? I could go out to the porch and there was this metal box that produced milk. And for me, in my limited understanding, that metal box was a source. I, I, I didn't understand that it wasn't a source. It was simply a resource. Your job, it's a resource, it's not a source. Your company, it's a resource, it's not a source. Your investments, that's a resource, it's not a source. 
And what happens is we allow our focus and our allegiance to be to the resource. So much so that we give pushback to the source. So my question to you this morning is this. What have you pledged your allegiance to? If, if we really understood the heart and the plan of the Father, because everything is given by God, and also understand this, everything belongs to God. It's interesting in Luke 12, 17, that, the, that this, this certain rich man, he says, what will I do? I have no place to put my crops. And yet Psalm 24, 1 says this, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. Friends, we don't have the right to control the stuff of our life. That's what Jesus says a little bit later in Luke 12, 26. He says, since you can't control this very thing, why are you so worried about it? Why do you worry about these things? The problems are God's. The the struggles are God's. The strains are God's. Much like as a parent, I bear the burden of the bills in my household. My children don't stress about that. And God doesn't want you to carry that weight, friend. So here's what he does, and the reason why he brought you here this morning is to challenge you with this idea, trust me. Trust me. Trust me. Oh, I I trust you, God. I want that trust to be demonstrated, the Lord says, in demonstrating faithfulness in how you handle your time, your talent, and your treasury. On that note, let, let 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 me talk about that for a moment. Your time, your talent, and your treasury. Ma'am, God's not just interested in your checkbook. He's also interested in your time. Give God the first part of your day. It's amazing to me how many Christ followers don't have a daily devotional life, don't have a daily prayer life. You're too busy. If you're too busy to give God a portion of your day, If you're too busy to give God the first day of the week, then friend, you're too busy. And here's what you'll find, is that when you give God the first, it redeems the rest. Let me say that again. When you give God the first, it redeems the rest. The same thing that's true with your talents. The the, the talents that are in this room, if if we would invest our talents for kingdom good, the impact that we could have on our community, on this region, our state, nation, and world is unprecedented. But here's what happens. All too often, we're too busy, and if the devil can't make you bad, he'll make you busy. And what we do when it comes to our time and when it comes to our talent, we give God not the first, we give him the leftovers. Leftovers. 
And you can't say this. You can't say, you know what, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to give God a good percentage of my talent. And that way I don't have to give him my time or my treasury. Or, you know what, I I don't give God 10% of my money because if you look at the amount of time that I give to the church and what that's worth, oh, I'm a tither. Let me help you out. No, you ain't. No, you ain't. Okay? Here's the thing. Give God 10% of your time. Watch him bless your time. But don't expect God to bless your resource if you're not putting him first. And in fact, this is not my word. It's God's word. God's word says this. If I don't give him the first fruit, if I don't give him that, fir- that tithe, that first tenth, it, it, the prophet Malachi it says this, that I'm robbing from God. I don't want to have that type of relationship with him. Everything is given by God. Everything also belongs to God. And and here's his posture towards us. Are you ready? Ask anything. Ask for anything. And I'll give it to you. I'll give it to you. It's important that you can handle it. Because not only is everything given by God and everything belonging to God, but everything is planned by God. Look at what it says in Luke chapter 12. It says this. The, 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 the certain rich man says, I know what I'll do. I will tear down my barns and build bigger ones. And there I will store all my grain and my goods. But God said to him, you fool, this very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? Isaiah 46, I make known the end from the beginning, from ancient times what is still to come. I say my purpose will stand and I will do what I please. Daniel says this, the sovereign God is sovereign most high and he gives the kingdoms of this world to whoever he wishes. Here's what I know, that God will not give abundance without a purpose. Right? Ecclesiastes 5.12 says this, the sleep of a laborer is sweet whether he eats little or much, but the abundance of a rich man permits him no sleep. Let me give that to you again. The sleep of a laborer is sweet, whether he eats little or much, but the abundance of a rich man permits him no sleep. The man who who wrote that under the anointing of God was the most wealthy individual on the planet at the time. He was speaking from a place of knowledge. God When he gives abundance, he gives abundance with a purpose. And God is faithful to reveal that purpose. Here's what it says in Isaiah 55, 11. So is my word that goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. Some of you walked in here this morning. Some of you are watching today. And and, and you, you sit here and you have this huge weight on your shoulder because you're, you're trying to figure out how to meet the needs in your life with the amount of stuff that you have and you, you somehow convince yourself that that's your problem. But here's what, here's what the word of God says. It says, cast all of your cares upon me because I care for you. 
Come unto me, all you who are weary and heavy burdened, I will give you rest. Place your burdens upon me. My God shall supply all of my needs according to his riches and his plan. And and here's the question that I want to ask you, a very personal question. You're doing it your way, not God's way. How's that working for you? Now, how's the stress level in your life? I want to offer you this. There's a better way. There's a better way. And, and, and it's, it's time to say, okay, God, I'm going to surrender to you. Because I've been captured by a love I cannot explain. And so God, I want to make this statement. I belong to you withholding nothing. Withholding nothing. Withholding nothing. Withholding nothing. And God, that that includes my time. I, I, I... I surrender my time to you. And God, that, that, that's, not just a, that's not just a tenth of my time. It's all of my time. Use it as you desire. I, I, I surrender my, my talents, my gifts, my abilities to you. God, I, 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 want my, I want my life to matter. I want my life to count. And God, I, I surrender my, my stuff to you. I surrender my my treasury to you. And, and, I, and I know this from your word because it's very clear in your word that that starts with giving that first fruit offering, that, that tithe. Let me tell you what will happen if you do that today. If you begin to tithe today, the financial mess that you're in will not be fixed tomorrow. In fact, it probably will get worse. Well, why would I want to do it, Pastor? It's a very good question. Let me answer. Because right now, the enemy has you bound. And what he's used to keep you bound, he's used your stuff. And when you go, Satan, I'm not allowing you to win this battle in my life anymore. He's not going to go, oh, okay. Let me move on to the next person. Here's what he's going to do. He's going to throw every issue, every obstacle at you that he can. It's called spiritual warfare. But greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. And who shall separate us from the love of God? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? No, in all these things we're more than conquerors. See, I'm convinced that neither life nor death nor angels nor demons, the present and the future, there's nothing that can separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. That, that's, what, that's what Paul declared in Romans and it's true for you today. Also, because of the decisions that you have made and the unhealthy priorities that you've demonstrated towards your time, your talent, and your treasuries, you've dug yourself in a hole. And it's gonna take time to get out. But here's what I can promise you. You will never get out of that hole on your own. 
Why? Because the enemy understands that that's the way that he keeps you bound. How he keeps you living in the land of not quite enough. That's the reason why this issue of being faithful to God in stewardship, that has to be not just an event that we do one time on Sunday and go, you know, one week or even two weeks and go, okay, let's see if this works. It's the reason why from time to time I like to give you this challenge. Give God 90 days. where you let him be in control of your time, your talent, and your treasury, okay? So it's not just writing a check on Sunday going, okay, here's 10%, now I get to do what I want with the rest of the money. But it's going, okay, God, I'm gonna be obedient in what the word says. I'm gonna start with the tithe, giving the tithe to you. Because I understand that that's, that's a baseline. Okay, God, with, with the 90%, Let's talk about how we navigate this. And watch as God gives you wisdom on how to deal with this issue of debt that's got you bound. How God begins to creatively bring resource into your life and resource into your day. And how you see, step by step, he brings you out. It's been a journey into the hole that you're in. It's gonna be a journey back out. And, and at the beginning, the enemy's gonna throw everything that he can at you. The bottom line is this. When, you're, when you allow yourself to be controlled by stuff, you rob yourself, and not just yourself, but you rob those around you of the enjoyment realized when you experience the unlimited blessings of God. Romans 8 says this, what shall we say in response to this? If God is for us, who can be against us? For he who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us, how will he not along with him generously give us all things? All things things, all things, having all that we need in every situation. This issue of faith. Can you trust the Father enough that when you look at your bag of Skittles and the Father says, entrust a portion of it to me, Who ultimately will be your source? The stuff that you possess or the one who has provided the stuff in the first place? I want you to live an unchained life. Let me say that again. I I want you to live an unchained life. In fact, let me make this statement. I want you to hear what I'm about to say because I I want you to understand how much this is not about me wanting to get into your pocket. I would rather have you attending a different church and being a tither than sitting in this church and not tithing. 
Let me say that again. I would rather have you be in a different church and be a tither than sitting in this church and be a non-tither. Why? Because I care about you. And I want you to walk in freedom. And I understand how much your stuff keeps you bound. And I understand the, anxi- the, the, the massive anxiety of living in the world, living in the land of not quite enough. And I, I don't want you to have that. I, I want you to walk with the joy of the Lord. I want you to walk with his confidence. And I want you to walk with his peace. And, and I, want, I want God to be your master, not your stuff.